Wanja City. My name is Wanja City. You are now on the third leg of our Revelation tour, a tour through the book of Revelation. And our slogan for this series, A Revelation a Day Keeps the Darkness Away. In episode 2, we met four out of the seven lampstands or churches that Jesus addresses through the author, Apostle John. In this third episode of Revelation, we shall look at the remaining three, that's Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Similar to the previous four lampstands or churches, Jesus addresses each church personally, demonstrating an intimate knowledge of each. Similarly, he maintains the pattern of beginning with a description of himself before commending, reprimanding where necessary, encouraging, and then leaving a command relevant to the particular church before signing out with a particular personalized promise, like a special gift for each special lampstand. As we mentioned in episode 2, these were real actual churches situated somewhere in modern-day Turkey, most of whose remains are barely there. Out of the four that we heard about in the previous episode, that's Ephesus, Mana, Pagamama, and Theatra, only Smana can be said to exist to date. Notably, only Smana was not rebuked but received high praise for being an enduring, suffering church. We postulated that perhaps that's why evidence of a long-lasting church exists and that a suffering church advances more the cause of Christ than a satisfied church does. In this episode, as we shall hear, only the church in Philadelphia is not reprimanded, making it the seven out of the sma- seven, <laughs> making it the second out of the seven churches that isn't. As already mentioned, all the seven churches receive specific encouragement and promises, but Smyrna and Philadelphia are spared rebukes. Ephesus, the first church we encountered, excelled in deeds, hard work, and perseverance, but they failed by forgetting their first love. Their passion for Christ had grown cold. Pergamum was a deceived church because they followed false teachings of Balaam despite remaining true to the name of Christ while residing where, quote, Saturn has his throne. Theatira was seduced by the immoral or fake false prophetess named Jezebel despite succeeding in deeds, love, faith, service, and perseverance. In this third Revelation episode, we tune in to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's a refrain that we have had addressed to all the churches. Let them who have ears hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's also necessary for us to personally be involved and not merely brush off these addresses as belonging to churches or more precisely, church buildings. The seven churches are also the seven lampstands as we saw in episode 1. And in episode 2, we mentioned that that's why they'd be described as lampstands because lampstands bear light which is what the church is called to do in a dark world. And so each of us individually and certainly here at Wanjacity are to shine the light, who is Jesus, wherever it is that we are placed. And so let's proceed to this fifth church addressed and the first of the three in this third episode of Revelation. The church is in Sardis. To Sardis, S-A-R-D-I-S, Jesus identified himself as, quote, him who holds the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. You will recall John's description in Revelation 1 and note the overall description matches an aspect of Jesus' description of himself to each church. We learned in Revelation 1 and episode 1 that the seven stars are the seven angels, also called messengers, of the seven churches. 
the letters are actually addressed to the angel of the church in so and so church right so back to Sadis, where Jesus again demonstrates personal knowledge by saying, I know your deeds. You see, Jesus knows. He goes on to tell Sadi some sobering words. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Whoa, whoa. And then he urges the church in Sadis to wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God, says Jesus. This is a very scary place to be, I think. To be known for your deeds on earth, but for those deeds to be incomplete in God's sight? Scary. It seems Sardis was operating on past victories for them to be urged to strengthen what was remaining. Further, they were urged to remember what they had received and had to obey it and had to obey it and repent to basically wake up then jesus went on to tell sadis that if they did not wake up he would come like a thief and they would not know what time he would come to them does this not resonate with us and our times now does it resonate with you you may have heard of a place in scripture where we are told that jesus the second coming on earth will be like a thief in the night we don't know when and as for that wake up but it should make us sit up how are we either as individuals or congregations like Sardis are we relying on a reputation that does not reflect the reality are we a lifeless church that is existing on past victories and deeds which in God's eyes are incomplete sobering sobering words here in Sardis Still, Jesus has some encouragement here too. There were some among them who had not soiled their clothes. To these, Jesus promised that they would walk with him dressed in white, for they are worthy. Jesus would also never blot such one's names from the book of life, but would instead acknowledge their names before God the Father and the angels. Wow. So again, the promise is worth the call. Philadelphia. This is the second church in the Revelation 3 tour. Sixth overall. Here, Jesus describes himself as him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. End quote. What a powerful key that is, and of course, a powerful holder of the key. And what an introduction. Then Jesus goes on to say he has placed an open door before that church in Philadelphia that no one can shut. In addition, Jesus assures them that. He knew they had little strength, yet had kept his word and had not denied his name. You see, there were apparently some, can we call them fake believers, who were really just liars. They claimed to be members, but were actually from Satan's synagogue. So Jesus said that these liars, he would make come and fall down at the true Philadelphian church believers' feet. And then he'd acknowledge that he loved them. Wow. Oh. <sighs> the church in Philly, in Philadelphia, was persecuted. You see, they were minorities. So for them to remain steadfast in the face of opposition was highly, highly commendable and highly commended they were because apart from Smyrna, as we saw in the last episode, Philadelphia was the only other church not reprimanded. It is their oppressors who instead essentially bow down to them because Jesus brings them to their feet, remember? 
Also remember the key of David that Jesus talks about and how he assures Philadelphia of an open door that no one can shut? Well, clearly that's true here because they couldn't, these liars, these fake believers, they could not shut down the true believers because Jesus holds the key and so is in charge of the kingdom of heaven. Plus, what he opens, no one can shut. And that's a word. Jesus goes on to address this exceptional church in Philadelphia. He tells them that since they've kept his command to endure patiently, he would also keep them from the other trial that was coming upon the whole world to test earth dwellers. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take your crown, he advises. He also says he's coming soon here. Remember, we just had him warn Sardis that he'll come like a thief in the night. Here in Philly, it's affirmed massively for them that they would escape the upcoming trial. But Jesus is coming soon. Sweet. It gets sweeter since they are promised more. To the overcomers, they would be made pillars in God's temple. They would never leave it. They'd have the name of God and of the city of God, that's the new Jerusalem, written on them. And here at Manjah City, let me just add, we do love cities and more so the city of God. These overcomers would also have Jesus' new name written on them. And I wonder what that new name is. So the church in Philadelphia, though a persecuted man minority, having little strength, stands out as a pillar. They serve as a powerful message. First of all, Jesus agrees with their self-assessment of smallness or having little strength. Secondly, he points out that they have kept his word and remained true or have not denied his name, basically. And what is the point then, you ask? It is not the size of your strength, but who you align your strength to. Come on. It is not the size of your strength, but who you align your strength to. You see, to serve Jesus satisfactorily, as did Philadelphia, that little strength is enough. Just keep his word and don't deny his name. And now on to Laodicea. We finally get to the last of the seven churches in Revelation. I wish I could say we saved the best for last. I wish. In Laodicea, Jesus described himself as the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And as is the pattern, he recognizes their strengths, a commendation. Only, wait, is it really? Listen to what he says. I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. Ooh, quite the introduction. Only not quite in the same way as, say, Philadelphia. Lukewarm, he says. He calls them lukewarm. And because they were lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, he was about to spit them out of his mouth this church was literally making jesus sick i don't blame him how much do you like eating lukewarm food i mean can you imagine drinking a lukewarm soda or coffee okay don't you probably don't have to imagine but a lukewarm drink even a lukewarm bath or shower that's neither refreshingly cold or enliveningly hot what is the use so Jesus wants to vomit Laodicea. They said they were rich. They assessed themselves as rich and that they had acquired wealth. And so they don't need a thing. Yes, we were rich. We have wealth. What do we need? They thought. 
Do you see a problem already? Can you sense it? What this church did not realize was that they were, quote, and this is verse 17, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, end quote. Then Jesus went on to counsel them to buy proper wealth from him. Three things, actually. One, gold refined in faith so that they could be truly rich. And that's like faith, really. Two, white clothes to wear to cover their nakedness. And three, salve to put on their eyes so they can see. <laughs> Jesus is like a good shade. Poor, naked, blind. Basically, the Laodicean church was materially wealthy, but wretched, pitiful, blind, naked. You know, you get it. Only this part reminds me of the emperor's new clothes. You know that fable, that story? They were walking about naked, yet fooling themselves that they were expensively clad. Woo! Jesus explains that those he loves, he rebukes and disciplines, and so urges them to be honest and repent. I hadn't seen this before, but oh, what love. I had written off this church, to be honest. I mean, come on. They are about to be spit out by Jesus. Then this, how Jesus still loves even the Laodicean church, and hence the rebuke, that the discipline is not coming from hatred or something equally awful, but from love. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Verse 19, chapter 3. Followed closely by the famous Revelation 3.20. Behold, or here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and they with me. What a generous invite to dine with Jesus to this self-sufficient church. The problem before you ask is, is not and still was not with being rich and wealthy. That's not the problem. It is spiritual poverty that excludes Christ, leading to a superficial life. That's the problem, because that reveals spiritual poverty. Are we clear? The promise to those who overcome in Laodicea is the right to sit with Jesus on his throne. Just as, you overcome, just as he overcame and sat down at, with his father on his throne. With! Mm, not at, but with. Like, they share a throne. Wow. Wonderful. Those who have ears hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I hope that's you and I. Amen. Let it be so. With that, we come to the end of our Revelation 3 and 3rd leg of the Revelation 2, where we've had and hopefully learnt from the remaining three of the seven churches. What remains is for us to wake up like the saddest church was warned and quit being a lifeless church. To be encouraged in our little strength as with Philadelphia and endure patiently by holding on to Jesus' word and name. To get true riches from Christ and accept his loving offer to dine with him. Do you hear Christ knock at the door of your heart? Answer it and let him in. This 
has been a Wanjasity production, a tour of revelatory proportions. Until next time, go out and shine because you are like a city on a hill whose light really cannot be hidden. Come on, Napster, shine. Thank you.